I have an astrology joke, but you'd never believe it. <laughs> I don't know where we should start over. Okay, let's just... <laughs> a stellar newscast. I'm Whitney Fishburne in Washington. This is my colleague, co-host, and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace in New York. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. We're both renegades from corporate media. We report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news because we not only want to show you how the media manipulates you into working against, against your best interests, we want to help you anticipate the cycles and trends in the world so you can see that the world is not a random, chaotic, scary place. It just seems that way. But part of an ensouled universe where cycles within cycles point, you know, cycles point, <laughs> to there being a greater consciousness, a larger intelligence that is more awesome than we, tiny and yet still amazing human beings, could ever be, even if we don't understand just what these cosmic impulses are and where they come from. Most importantly, we want to encourage you to participate in the unfoldment of what our universe has in store. That's us. Okay. You have a lot you want to talk about, and I'm going to let you pretty much do that, but I, I got to get this off my chest. Get it off your chest. Here it is. So you're going to talk to us about Jupiter's ingress into Aries. Yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to preempt you. I'm going to say I am definitely feeling the impending ingress of Jupiter into Aries. I am already feeling it. So I have Aries in my ninth house. So ninth house issues are where I do battle, right? Because Aries, Mars ruled. Aries is where we go to find out what it is that we're going to be assertive or aggressive about. So ninth house is where I'm going to go to battle. And what is the ninth house? It's where we find wisdom on how humans organize themselves into the abstract, how we gain and disseminate knowledge, how we use our learning to find meaning and then govern ourselves accordingly. So given that I have the ninth house ruled by Mars, and I also happen to have Saturn there. When it comes to how we organize ourselves around God, I have some thoughts. The way that shakes out for me is, is that I right now have a very low tolerance for culty bullshit. I'm just really over it. I am over everyone's self-righteousness. I am over it. The hierarchies, the ugh. So where religion is concerned right now, I'm hot under the collar. Normally I can put up with it. Normally I, I can laugh at it or I can find some kind of wisdom buried underneath all the hierarchical nonsense. And mostly, you know what? I actually really do think anyhow that I'm respectful of people with their religions because I know that a person who has adopted a religious belief is doing so because it gives their life meaning. Okay, but I am increasingly irritated by the righteousness that is everywhere right now because there is a big difference between using a belief system to give meaning to your life versus just sliding right past that and ordering your life around a guiding principle so that you can then make yourself feel special and therefore superior. Okay, so I'm going to just poke the bear with a stick here and say religions, people, they're just stories. They are myths. They're things that we make up and we put a lot of attention and focus on 
rightfully so, but we have forgotten that they are just an attempt to describe what is actually real. Religion is not real. What is behind the religion, that ensouled universe we talk about, that is what's real. Yes, tradition matters and all that kind of stuff, but it's still just an organizing principle that we come up with. It is our attempt to downstep what is greater than us. It is a means to an end. It ain't the end. Okay? And what's behind the religion is actually not something we ever will fully be able to understand. It's too big. Our puny little brains can't do it. Anyway, I'm thinking in terms of like electricity, right? You have to, you can't just flood the the outlet with electricity that hasn't been downstepped so that it can come through the socket and into whatever you plug into it without blowing up the appliance or the lamps or whatever. You have to find a way to make the electricity uh, manageable. That's what religion does. So anyway, I, I just, ugh, I'm just so, so tired of everybody so insistent that they have the answer and all the holy rolling. And I know we're going to talk about this because Jupiter and Aries is, man, we're talking about holy rollers all the way. But in my non-self-righteous way, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> okay, so I, that's, that's the first bear I want to poke in the eye. But I got a second one. But do you want to say something? I don't have any, I don't, I, I'm not feeling that kind of push with, with the Jupiter in air. I think what we're feeling now with Jupiter at the very, 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 very last degree of Pisces, it's like the end of the world. Any planet at the very end of Pisces is just had, as it's this sense of urgency and crisis and feeling that, that, oh my God, that just, I just can't go on. You know, it's like the, I want to say the unnamed Samuel Beckett's this long-winded monologue that goes on for pages. And at the very end of this long-winded mo monologue, you know, I, I can't go on, I can't go on. I'll go on because it just, it, it, there's just nothing else to do. And it's all very, you know, wonderfully existentialist. Um, um, so Jupiter at the very, 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 very end of uh, any uh, of Pisces is, is like an expansion of like the end. All right. It's happened. Jupiter is in Aries. We are at the beginning. We are born again. We move from Jupiter expanding empathy and suffering and spiritualism and, you know, feet and horses and all this good Jupiter stuff and the liver um, goes into doing because that's what Aries needs to do. It needs to get something started and it needs to fight. And so we can expect while Jupiter is in Aries right now at the Aries point, meaning it's at zero degrees of the cardinal signs. Aries is a cardinal sign, Libra, Cancer, Capricorn, any planet at the first entry point of these cardinal signs Cardinal is from the Latin turning point, that upon which something turns. It's the beginning of a new season. So Jupiter is attracting tremendous attention right now in this brand new cycle of needing to get something started. And it is a fire sign. So we've got fires in New Mexico and we've got drought in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, we had this heat wave that was going on in, in India. I think it was, uh, you know, just craziness. And, and, and it's only going to get hotter while Jupiter is in this first phase 
of its passage through Aries. It will be in Aries until the end of October, October 28th. That's going to go back into Pisces. So we're going to get back into the empathy and feeling like it's the end of the world just in time for the midterm elections. Um, but there, but Aries is the warrior. Mm-hmm. Mars, red, cars. Yeah, I mean, I really do think we're going to start. We're seeing the holy rollers get ready. Yep. It's the yeah, fight. Yeah. It's the crusade. It's definitely. Well, that's interesting. I'd forgotten completely. I was just looking at the calendar and the I didn't check the ephemeris. So I, I should have done that. But I was aware that Jupiter was just about to enter Aries. It didn't occur to me to think of it in terms of the 29th degree of Pisces, because I actually all day, the reason why I'm going to poke another bear in, in the face here with a stick is because I was feeling really thin skin today, really, really thin skin today about um, some changes going on in my neighborhood that are possible because of the takeover of private equity and monopolies of, of the real estate market. And just, I just, you know, I normally, you know, I was an antitrust reporter and I was a health economics reporter. I understand how this stuff goes, but let me, let me just tell you, I'm, I'm going to put this out here in terms of I won't tell you what's going on with the real estate. I'm going to talk in terms of inflation. And what I was feeling today was exhausted with bad actors and immorality. I just felt like, when is it going to end? When is it going to end? I was so tired thinking about it. So so I'll put this in context. And, you know, this is really Jupiter and Neptune together in Pisces with just like this big inflation and the blurriness of it. And where does it come from? But all right, so I'm, I'm going to go back to this idea of of Jupiter in Aries and the ideas of how we organize ourselves as humans being my particular battleground. So if you're a fan of my other podcast and newsletter, some of you are, um, it's called Documental Mapping the American States of Mind. You may very well remember how a few years ago I wrote often about the shock to my system when I first read the words of the late Mark Fisher, that it is easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. And at the time that I first read that, I was like shell-shocked. I really was. I went, wait, what? The, but capitalism is, you know, I'm a fish in water. What's water? It didn't occur to me. It really didn't occur to me. And I, you know, I thought I was enlightened. <laughs> that really rocked my world. And I tried to imagine it. And I didn't have the imagination capacity so I really had to keep thinking about it and exploring it. And it took me about three years, really. But I eventually saw, finally, that it was hierarchy and linear thinking that was keeping capitalism upright yeah, and therefore killing the planet, making us feel separate, and closing us off from one another so that only some of us, but never all of us, could feel special enough to have all the access to the goodies and especially the things that we need to survive. And everyone else could just feck off, as the Irish say. Right. So right. <laughs> capitalism is impossible without the hierarchy, which automatically means when it comes to the resources necessary in life, some of us are just going to have to be designated not good enough to have access to them. And I talked about that in our last episode. But I was you really- did. You did. And I didn't. And, and I was taking it in because I wanted to say something the last time. Whitney, uh, when you brought this up, because, and I said this to you after, after we recorded, I said, that was really deep and brilliant about this 
how, you know, the, 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 how in a circular system where, you know, well, it's like the Knights of the Round Table, right? Camelot worked because the Knights were sitting at a round table, not at an L table with somebody at the head. <laughs> everybody was, everybody, but, but now that I'm just making that connection and getting chills. So that's something. Um, but, but the fact, but this hierarchy and this, and the, st- you know, the status you know, people always having to have dominion over the other. You're right. It doesn't work. Well, I'm going to be, it's not dominion. Dominion is the circle. It's not dominion. It's domination. Domination. Thank you. Domination versus dominion. Yeah. 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 So, so the reason I bring it up again though, is, is that I was thinking, I was thinking about how capitalism is just another cult anymore. It's, you know, it's just like a religion. We tell ourselves stories in order to keep it upright and it relies on a set of myths to explain itself. And the biggest one that's just ripping me up right now is this idea that inflation is real. Okay. Inflation is is actually happening to us. It's a very complicated thing. And I don't want to turn this into an economics lecture. And we do have some charts we need to analyze and some other things. But if you're looking at the news and you watch, let's say you're one of the few people left anymore who watches, I don't know, NBC Nightly News and inflation is up and, you know, this thing is happening and it's supply and demand. And it's so much more complicated than that. It is supply. It is demand. It is people coming out of the pandemic wanting. There's all kinds of things. But what I have yet to hear the news actually explore and explain and nail as one of the biggest drivers of capitalism, I mean, of, uh, of inflation, is corporations wanting to make a profit. So, yeah, there are a lot of reasons oh, why. You know, in this... This was this was the corporation, the Canadian documentary that everybody should go watch. It's online. The corporation. It called? It's called oh, the corporation. Okay. You know, I don't. Cor- I don't know anything about it. I'm you just gotta, watching it happen. You you, you got to get. You have to go. This. I didn't mean to cut you off, but you. But I. I but I just had. But the corporation. This was. I think maybe uh, it was 20 years ago that this documentary came out, and it was really. I mean, fascinating history of corporations in America, and the observation that you know, once upon a time, you know, a corporation was formed when a bunch of people wanted to get together and like build a bridge. And so they needed to use assets and resources beyond their initial, just what one person could do. So they would form this corporation to bring a bunch of resources together and build a bridge. And then they would go away and get back to their lives. But the, but how corporate charters, you know, how they are, they, they, they are structured to be psychopaths. Now that now, well, definitely they are. No, they, and they, you know, they had an FBI profile that they interviewed in this documentary. You know, saying, you know, if the corporation was a person, what kind of person would it be? And a corporation which cannot have empathy and has to put profit over everything and has to put shareholders over stakeholders is by design. They have to. You know, like when Ben and Jerry's had to sell their ice cream company to a company they didn't necessarily like, because if they hadn't, the, you know, the the the, uh, the shareholders might have sued them. And how okay. you have with Elon Musk and his Twitter bid, exactly. where, where, exactly. where, you know, like people should just walk away and say, we don't want to do business with you, period. We don't care how much money you have. But that is why I was feeling so helpless today is what you've just enumerated is it's yeah. because... The hierarchy will eat you. You don't have a choice. You you don't it's you know you don't get to say no. Thank you. I'd really rather just continue to do business as myself. But we have believed these myths 
this bullshit set of myths that government gets in the way of the small guy doing business. No, government, and then we need a deregulation. Government made it possible so the small guy could do business so that the big corporations wouldn't just gobble him up into the monopoly that they've become. And this is why I go back to inflation. So there's no single cause for it. And, but it has reached, it's almost at 10%. That is the highest that it has been since 1981, which, by the way, 1981, we've talked about in terms of what was going on. Mars Neptune. In, yeah, we, we, we've talked about this cyclically we, with astrology we, before, but for those who want to just think about it in terms of American history, that is when we had the, the rise of what's called consumer welfare that came in with Reaganomics. And consumer welfare is just another euphemistic way of saying, we're going to make you want to buy shit instead of exercise your rights as a citizen. But they call it consumer welfare which is an actual doctrine and a way that the antitrust laws have been downplayed because, well, if it's the best price, then it's in the, everybody's best interest. So we will allow anti-force, antitrust enforcement to be lax. But what it ends up doing is it strips your rights as a citizen. So meanwhile, since 1981, we have never seen uh, inflation as bad as it is now. Supply chains, rising prices for raw materials, limited supply, tight job market. All of that is actually true. However, corporations, they could have absorbed some of those costs and they could yeah. have reduced their profits. That's the first thing they could have done. They could have also increased costs and keep their profits relatively flat. That's another right. option. What did they choose to do instead? They raised their prices. They made some of the um, goods smaller or you got less for the raised price. I mean, think about, I'm thinking about um, the number of diapers in a diaper pack or the size of an ice cream carton. Everything is smaller, mm -hmm. but the price is higher. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what did they do? They bought increased back their, and they bought back their stock. So they, they increased could... their profits. So while yeah. inflation is almost 10%, highest it's been since 1981, they have the corporate pre-tax profits are up over 25%. And here's a statistic I got almost $2.82 trillion. You got to chill. I just got to chill. I feel like vomiting. The largest annual pre-tax corporate profit increase since 1976. Okay. So I was feeling really helpless today. I was feeling really, really angry about this because when does it stop? Because what I just read to you is a scenario of, as you say, a psychopath, but also just the height of immorality, the height of immorality, because all of this comes at the cost of everyone else being able to live their lives in a way that is not crushed with anxiety and depression and fear. All of the anxiety, depression, and fear I think in this country can be traced right back to this dynamic that I just laid out for you. So there you go, you culty capitalists who wanna you know, make America great and all this other stuff. Think about it, that's all. It's just the religion, this cult of capitalism, all of this is just a bullshit story to make you distracted from other things, which is you being raped of your power and never really explaining what's behind Behind the the magic behind curtain. the curtain, yeah, the humbug portion of so, it. So so there there's me crabby as I am, yeah. but I I think I'm justified in my crabbiness. Thank you so much. And so let's get into it. What charts can we? <laughs> so so no one this all right. So and then this is all Jupiter at the end of the world. You know the the yep, the, the, that's the, how the I overwhel felt today. the overwhelming. This is the end. And and one thing you know one thing to say about 
1981 is that we know what those cycles were. Okay, we had a Pluto thing. We had we had uh, Pluto square, Pluto, excuse me, in the horoscope of the United States, mm -hmm. and we had transiting Neptune activating the Mars Neptune square in the United States, which is the part of our horoscope that idealizes. Uh, heroes, war, soldiers, guns, opioids, religion, and also gave us the glamour of Hollywood and the American dream. All of these, all of these things are tied to the symbolism of Mars and Neptune in the language of astrology. And it, at that time with Pluto square Pluto, what we saw is that America shifted gears and changed, we pushed the country in another direction away from the New Deal era of FDR, et cetera, and into Ronnie Reagan and his cowboy hat and, and his Alzheimer's, which is also Neptune. So it's fascinating. All well, did he, have, he didn't have Alzheimer's then. <laughs> well, no, actually, they, you know, he. Do they, they, do they think? Uh, I mean, you know. Uh, he, so. Um, I would say that Neptune was just that kind of dreamy vision dreamy, of what America say, is, dreamy, was. The yeah. illusion, right. Right. The, and the Hollywood and, cowboy. And, and we have been feasting on that bullshit illusion ever since. Okay. And, and, and now it, we have become the ones who are being served up as part of the feast. So now we are having these cycles again. Here we are again. Pluto is now conjunct. The Pluto in the U.S. horoscope, Pluto, Pluto, we're having our Pluto return and transiting Neptune is activating, is squaring that U.S. Mars Neptune. So we're dealing with similar themes and we have an opportunity to shift the direction of the country yet again. But we have to go through this first like a maca maca death spiral or I mean, this just absolute horror show where, where you know, we were talking about the cesspool just because Pluto coming back to its place in the horoscope is really about, it's, it's a new cycle. So it's really got to get focused. You know, I thought about the Pluto return the other day. I was reading an article in the New Yorker uh, magazine about um, just the, the, the astounding and confounding rates of suicide in children, preteens. And I was thinking, oh, that's interesting because you know, children are a resource, right? They're, they are the next generation. They are what we're going to build this country on. Mm -hmm. And, and if we look at the Sibley chart, which is, you know, that puts children in the second house, it puts resources in the second house. That's right. what Pluto is happening. And I was thinking, you know, they're feeling that they, they are being sacrificed as part of this end stage capitalism, this end stage, righteous, culty craziness, because they're, sense of hope in the future i i would say i mean nobody can seem to pinpoint what it is and they're trying to run all these clinical studies and i'm just looking at it as an astrologer and as somebody who does believe in an ensouled universe and knows that a, a hierarchical linear way of, of structuring any kind of uh, culture is is a is a nihilistic death wish well, i mean i guess that's the same thing I, it's a death wish i'm looking at these kids and saying they're the sacrifice in this Pluto return and, and what will happen to them in this moment. It's interesting to me. I don't know. I wanted to talk about the Aries ingress, the chart that sets the tone for the new cycle for the astrological new year, which is a vernal equinox here in the Northern hemisphere. And also the first three months of the new cycle, we talked about it before. And I want to just point out how it was manifested how it was made manifest in the news. 
So what we talked about was that the moon, which is always very important in, in the, any chart because the moon is the fastest moving uh, thing in the horoscope and it, and it talks about the overwhelming need of the entity, whatever it is. And in the Aries ingress, we had the moon at the very last degree of Libra, you know, we were talking about, you know, Jupiter at the end of Pisces is expanding and intensifying at a crisis point, all things Pisces. Well, the moon, our need for security, what we need in order to be happy at 29 degrees of Libra, the last degree of Libra is this crisis point of fairness and balance and the law and relationship. And it was in the fifth house of the horoscope when it was set it when, when you know relative with respect to Washington DC and that's what we use to use it as like a, a timing tool and a marker for what's what are things going to be like and so with this 29 degrees of Libra in the fifth house which is sexuality children creativity you know heading into a very bad place which is Scorpio the next sign we could see how this for the United States was going to be this crisis point in the law of sexuality and creativity and children. And here we are. Okay. Here we are. You're talking about SCOTUS. You're I'm talking about Roe v. Wade. You're talking about. I'm talking about just as, you know, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. The, the Roe v. Wade and where it's going next. And, and not only, you, you, well, let's stick to the astrology, but my, my, you know, my big rant with it is that, you know, um, making abortion and birth control and all these other things where some states are going, making them felonies. Okay. The next step is if you're a convicted felon, you can't vote. These people are going to lose their right to vote. Yeah. These How people, you, you mean women? Yes, women. Exactly. Women. It's not they, it's women. It is, they're going after it. Well, see, here we are. Jupiter, big, big questions of justice in Aries, the holy roller. Because here, so Mars heats things up. Yes, and it Jupiter does. Jupiter is big. And so Jupiter, and Jupiter is, 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 gives us messages about cosmic justice about what is right, what is fair, not what is your penalty, which is Saturn, what, you know, not, not the punitive side of justice, but the, what is the cosmic justice? What is right? What is fair? And if you are looking at things hierarchically, it is really hard for you to comprehend justice in a cosmic way, in an ultimate way, in a balanced way, because all you're going to see is who should be punished. And Jupiter is not about punishment. So here comes Jupiter into Aries, where it's all about, you know, the righteousness mixing with the heat of, you know, it's taking cosmic justice and, and making it righteous. It's the heat I, of the crusade. It's the heat, exactly. And I am- And self-determination. I you, am. You don't like to make a lot of predictions that are uh, inflammatory, but I think it's really impossible to be talking about this and not say, look, folks, get ready. We are going to start seeing some more of that kind of insanity that we saw during the insurrection. Don't call me an insurrection. I didn't really show up with weapons ready to take over the Capitol and hang Mike Pence. This kind of insanity, this kind of holy roller attitude, this kind of, I have all the answers and, and you will die because you don't accept my reality. We're going to start seeing that energy again. I'm not predicting that we're going to see a rush on the Capitol Hill again, but I am saying we're going to start seeing a manifestation of this kind of anger over yes. being right. Yeah. 
Well, they're well, they're personal crusade, and it's going to be on. You know, it it will also motivate people who have just been feeling all of this stuff and to do something. Well, that's the good side of it. Okay, so 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 it goes. It's it. Is that people work, who have been apathetic will will feel the heat too intensely to do now something, to stay apathetic? To do yeah. something, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the thing that was interesting about the timing of Roe v. Wade is, you know, you know, talking about the Aries point, the prominence, the being of the Aries point. People whose horoscopes are affected, people who have planets at the Aries point we would anticipate that these people would be brought into our attention. And when you look at the horoscope of Samuel Alito, if we must, um, you, and, and we must. <laughs> it was no, your idea. <laughs> no, 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 it, no, but it's very interesting because you're like, why him? You know, why, why this guy? But this is, these, this is his horoscope. Alito is a, uh, he's an Aries with Eris right on the North Node, conjunct the sun. So he- Eris, you have to explain what Eris is because probably so a lot Ar of Eris, Eris is the goddess of discord, relatively minor, a celestial body that's in the mix, but she's been really shaking things up a lot because she's been heavily engaged with Uranus, the disruptor, and Pluto, the destroyer. Somebody who has Eris prominent in their horoscope is demanding a place at the table and willing to throw the table across the room and doesn't just, <laughs> just really doesn't care one way or the other. So, uh, you know, many, and Eris moves very slowly. Eris has been in Aries since, I don't know, like forever, like the whole last century, I think. And mm -hmm. so most people who are most Aries, a lot of, there are a lot of Aries running around who are particularly warrior-esque and, and Alito is one of them. Okay. So Alito, sun sign Aries driven by this perfection seeking moon in Virgo and his moon is conjunct Saturn, um, which, which is, uh, can be a real uh, difficult persnickety perfectionist person who's stern, you know, Saturn yeah. on the moon and maybe, yeah. you know, not maybe, maybe depressed, you know, maybe depressed. And, and what's interesting is that, uh, all right. And he's got a Capricorn ascendant, one degree Capricorn ascendant. Mm -hmm. We have a timed horoscope for Alito, which, so we're very lucky. And so he's got one degree Capricorn ascendant, which is the Aries point first sign. Okay. His Uranus is opposing the ascendant at one degree cancer. So this is, this is also his need to be independent, shake up system, damn it all to hell, I'm doing my own thing, is gonna attract attention. And his Mars, which is in Virgo, at 28 degrees of Virgo, but that's close to zero, close enough to zero Libra to be considered prominent. It's still close to that turning point degree. So he has Mars square Uranus, which in and of itself suggests a certain level of recklessness, potential recklessness and daring. And all of this, so, so he having this Aries point heavy horoscope, it makes perfect sense that when Jupiter comes along and squares his ascendant and opposes his Mars and squares his Uranus, all of a sudden we're paying attention to him. His draft is making news big time. And backing it up, because it's not just the transits, you know, the other thing uh, that modern astrologers use, psychological astrologers use are solar arcs, you know, which they are fabulous. Um, Pluto, it's another way of measuring time, which is empowerment. 
know, when it is right at the top of his chart on the midheaven. Oh, yeah, so, the solar. Which is, okay, I'm so, looking at yeah. yeah, so he is dealing with issues of massive power right now. So it's just fascinating. I'm looking at Alito's chart, which you've done in, uh, well, this says Reggio Montana, so it's essentially close to Placidus. Yeah. It's a particular house system that um, that's quadrant, and it doesn't, um, the houses are not equal. Right. Whereas if I were to look at things that would be equal, so I am looking at this, and I'm going to say, I, I'd have to really cast it myself, but I, I think the way that this looks to me is, is that in um, whole signs, Alito's chart would put Saturn, the moon, and Mars in the ninth house. And as I was saying earlier, that would mean that um, he has Mars in the house of where you go for law, organizing principles, all of the abstract things that that humans come up with in order to to decide, you know, how we're going to treat each other and what's the way that we go about our, our uh, forms of justice. And um, in Virgo, I would read those three planets together. It, you'd have the, the stern Saturn, the, um, the, the fiery cutting Mars together with the moon. This guy, he is irritated. He, he, his natural, the, if I didn't know who it was and I was looking at this, I would say, oh, hi, you person that has come to me for astrological advice. I'd say, you probably deal with being easily irritated, really easily irritated and feeling very righteous about what it is that you think. And you might struggle to um, see another person's point of view, which as a judge could be difficult. Well, he is an Aries. So, oh, I get it. No Aries should ever be up no, for no, nomination. Sandra, is that what no, you're saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sandra Day O'Connor was an Aries. So, so and, and, and I think, uh, yeah, so no, uh, that was that was a silly modern astrologer here. Uh, Mars is square the ascendant. Okay, so there's irritation there. Uranus is opposing the ascendant irritation. The other thing that's interesting about Alito's horoscope is that he's got a Venus-Jupiter conjunction at 25 and 27 degrees of Aquarius. Uh, Venus in Aquarius, I love you, but don't take it personally. Um, you know, nobody, I, I made that up. I made that up. Don't steal it. Don't steal. You better, you better quote me. You better cite the source. Um, but, he, but this Venus-Jupiter conjunction at 25 and 27 degrees of Aquarius is being squared by the eclipse that we had, the long lunar eclipse we had on November 19th last year and will be affected by this upcoming lunar eclipse that we have, it's a super moon. We'll be activating the fixed star. We talked about this last week, Algol, the Medusa's head, losing one's head. And so he's got this, this Venus-Jupiter indulgence, this sort of expansive humanitarian detachment, excessive, maybe he's diabetic, I don't know. Um, that's going to be affected. We got to watch this guy in mid-August, which is when the eclipse will Mars. be triggered. Yeah, that's when Mars is, Mars is going to activate that will trigger the eclipse. So we should see. We will see what what's going on with. Wait, that. I think that the that Mars triggers the eclipse July twentieth. But that's Mars, the, that was no, that was the one on 
April. 30th. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. You're we right, have another sorry. eclipse. So right. April and 30th. then, and then Mars goes into Gemini and that's where it will be when it retrogrades. So, oh boy, it's going to be so much it's fun. It's going to retrograde and it's going to square his Mars, Alito's mm -hmm. uh, Mars, and it's going to square Neptune in general. So we've got this Okay, We've so break it all down anyway. into English. What does all of this mean? So, so why do we have to mean? watch him? Yeah. So what it all means is, that it, oh, it's like, of course, he's the guy that wrote this opinion because you look at his horoscope and it's like, duh, he is going to be attracting attention now. End of story. Uh, you know, we just, we know it. But why do we need to watch him in August? And oh, what should because, we be watching oh, for? So we're, well, we're going to watch him in August because... Mars is going to activate this eclipsed Venus and Jupiter, which rules his midheaven, his career. It's going to rule his fifth house, his self-expression. Venus also rules his 12th house, the self-undoing, and the third house, his mindset. And Wait, so, it rules, it because, rules his 12th house? Because, because, yeah, because Jupiter rules Sagittarius. So it's some, said Venus. Uh, well, it's going to activate Jupiter and Venus. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to kick up a lot of stuff. If you look at it through the classical lens and you look at Mars, Venus, and Jupiter in his horoscope, you're talking about six houses being lit up. Half the horoscope is lit up by this eclipse. So we could expect uh, a lot of action in his horoscope in the um, southeast quadrant. Which is the- Which uh, is his midheaven, his 11th house- Mm -hmm. groups that he belongs to and the 12th well, which house. are all very public houses so whatever very, happens very public houses we will see it we will definitely see it yeah so there's that um so the, the bottom line of this long-winded thing is that it was no surprise that this is the guy who's writing the opinion because jupiter where it is now is activating mm -hmm. his horoscope bringing expanding his image and his and, and just, radicalness you know, and, and his and jupiter is law jupiter is a judge and you know as we were saying before it's, it's it's the opinion part of it correct right it's right. the it's not so much the enforcement it's the opinion right it's the it's right. the legal theory yeah. Sa saturn all. saturn comes along with the badge yeah but <laughs> jupiter has this the opinion jupiter yeah. has the uh yeah or the yeah. descent so anyway, so that's Samuel Alito, really interesting uh, exercise to see why that guy. And um, Kavanaugh, his son is at 23 Aquarius and Saturn is at 24 Aquarius and it's been slowing down. So Saturn has been sitting on his son, S-U-N, through April and May and next month because Saturn is slowing down, getting ready to turn retrograde. And as it slows down, it's just like hanging out. So this putting a tremendous amount of pressure on his ego, his, his, you know, his ego expression and, and his sense of authority and his sense of authority. Yeah. Yeah. Putting the squeeze. Yeah. Getting him streamlined and focused and maybe sort of in the way, like maybe there are people outside his house and he can't go outside. I mean, it's interesting that he is the guy that's, that we're talking about that, that this is the one who's making news for having protesters. And it's, you know, it was his neighbor that organized the protest and all this other stuff. So it's very, it's very, very interesting that, um, that this is, this is going on. So, and so, and it's going to be very interesting next year when Uranus, which is in Taurus is going to get to square his son next year. 
as Saturn is sitting on top of it. It's going to be like a, he, it's like, which way is he going to go? You know, is he going to be? I'm not looking at his chart. Where, in which house is um, his? Oh, son? I should show you. So his, we don't know because we don't have his. Oh, we don't, okay, have, we don't his, have a time. All right. Time. But anyway. That'd be really interesting to know. There though, he is. In case. Yeah, it'd be really. Oh, I see. So you is. did a chart for noon. I did a noon right. chart. Right. And and I did the directions. And um Anybody who's listening along and saying, I can't see the chart because no. it's just a podcast. They're going to be um, we're doing only radio <laughs> radio. What is that? We're doing a podcast. Um, I will video include them. Kill the radio star. Okay. Yeah. You'll kill the card. All right. Um, so the other thing that's interesting, just quickly, I mean, there is a chart for the Roe v. Wade decision. Okay. Which we have, it's timed and looky, 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 looky at the ascendant. Okay, January 22nd, 1973. I hope I got this right. 10 a.m. in Washington, D.C. Look at this ascendant, which is 29 degrees of Pisces. Which oh is my Jupiter gosh. It's like, oh my God. So, Jupiter at 29 degrees of Pisces last week when this thing broke, like the end of the end, um, is totally, totally lighting up all four angles of the horoscope because. Every angle and of also, this, look, wait, I gotta, I gotta just I know, say you this. Gotta, you gotta look at this. I know. Though, as the classical astrologer, I am okay. really struck. I'm struck by the fact that in this chart, Jupiter is in Capricorn. Yeah. Where it, where it is in detriment. It yeah. is in our fall. Wait, is it fall? It's fall. It doesn't want to be there. It's not happy there. <laughs> no, because everything has to be earned and you have to keep proving yourself. You know, it's like, you, it's, there's no largesse here. Just... No. And Jupiter wants to expand and be big. And Saturn is all about limits. Saturn right. is about limits. Right. And, and Jupiter is yet the, um, the ruling planet of the ascendant here. Mm -hmm. So Jupiter is compromised from the very beginning. So mm -hmm. this Roe v. Wade was going to be compromised at some point. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'm not sure if this yeah. is in the 11th or 10th house because you've cast it in Reggio Montanus, but um, but that alone is very interesting to me is to see Jupiter um, being compromised by I, by limits by the by the you know the mean law by the guy with the badge Jupiter who wants to be the the opinion that supports the most people and brings cosmic justice and brings um, you know bring brings a sense of peace and expansiveness. This was happening under the watch of the guy with the badge and the scythe and the, you know, ha ha ha, you think that this is going to last. I'm going to come and I'm going to get you. Uh, it's it's a very challenged chart. And you've got, yeah. the, I mean, even, even with the moon in this chart trining Jupiter, I mean, so there is a bit of support. But when you compare this chart, one day maybe we will, when you compare this chart to the chart for the Affordable Care Act, um, the planets are in much better shape. It's they all, many of them have strong dignity, which, it, which means that they are able to function and they're able to get support. And, and, and that piece of legislation has had a sense of, has had a Teflon quality. You know, they haven't been able to kill it. Jupiter and Capricorn is in fall. I'm sorry. I just yeah. Fall. To make sure okay. That I said that right. Anyway. Jupiter in fall and uh, Mercury, which means that, which means that it has to climb. If it, it, it will eventually find itself knocked off of wherever it gets to and it has to climb back up so for those of you who have jupiter and capricorn you probably experience things where um you know something big gets shrunk and you have to start all over again in whatever yeah. house it's in that's all yeah for good or for ill it's not always a bad thing for good or, and yeah and then in of course of this law we know what happened so we're in retrospect we can look at this and say oh well yeah that was challenging it was a challenging time 
Yeah. So that's, that's the Roe v. Wade and also the fears that are coming up that people are looking over their shoulder going, oh my God, they are going after uh, women's health, reproductive health. And now in, you know, Louisiana, it's like they are, they're working on making IUDs illegal. That's also part of this extremely stressed out Aries ingress moon that 29 degrees of Libra you. And so you see how sexual orientation and and creativity and child and children are like this hot topic right now. Well, you called it, you did called it. I did. You did actually say all of this was coming. I I did. I did. And the other thing that's cool. So should we talk, let's talk briefly about this other horoscope that was just so fascinating. This guy, this guy is fascinating. John this guy McCain. happens to be John McCain. And like I was saying before, I, I will put all of these charts in the um, show okay. page. So I want to talk about John McCain because this thing blew up over the weekend because there I am on the Twitter and I'm watching, I'm watching this meltdown because on Megan the McCain, Twitter, you sound Twitter. like an old person. I know <laughs> I do that. Twitter. I, I, that's, I do. Well, you know, on, on the Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> I do. Well, it, that's, you know, that's, that's part of the act. Okay. <laughs> the Facebook, it's the Facebook on, I'm on the Twitter and, um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching, you know, Megan McCain, she writes this book and she goes after uh, Steve Schmidt. He was this Republican strategist who left the Republican Party in 2018 because he, he just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, and, and but what's what is um, depressing about what happened over the weekend is because he, like many, 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 many others in, in the party, we are finding out, knew a lot of stuff back in the day, like in 2008, and didn't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, 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 well, like, knew. Okay. they knew what they all what knew for. Okay. So with so with Steve Schmidt, he just loses his mind because Megan McCain, for some reason, seemed to have it out for this guy. And, and so Steve Schmidt just lost it and went on so- the screen on Twitter and starts talking about um, you know, how nuts it is that Megan McCain is identifying him as this evil person when the person she allegedly really respected was this guy named Rick Davis, Paul Manafort's partner working for the, the corrupt part of Ukraine before Ukraine threw out those people. So he's like, you've got it all wrong, honey. Um, what you need to know about your dad is a bunch of things. In two, there were two camps in the in the campaign in 2008. We had a bunch of people who believed in representative democracy, and there were these other people. Rick Davis was one of them, and this guy was working for the Russians. And your father spent his 70th birthday on a yacht with Ola Deripaska. Deripaska, right? Okay. And and not and so he just went on and on and on. Just it was just amazing. He was just having this meltdown all weekend. And I'm I'm going. I gotta go look at John McCain's horoscope. What ends up happening is all of this stuff about hey guys, you all need to know that the 2008 McCain campaign was run in part by this guy who was Paul Manafort's partner, who then ran the Trump campaign in 2016 because they were they were under the influence. Steve Schmidt and all these other people on MSNBC just wring their hands over, I can't believe this happened to the Republican Party. Eat, yeah. eat it, eat it, because you're the ones who served it. You And, and you were aware that there was this, this 
foreign influence, which, you know, Steve Smith is saying it was Russian and, and, and the corruption in the Ukraine. And then it got even more fun when he said, oh, yeah, that article that appeared in the New York Times alleging that John McCain was having an affair with a lobbyist and this was a problem, that was all true even though we denied it. Okay, so why are we going on about this? Looking at John McCain, blowing up all over the Twitter, through the lens of Steve. <laughs> the Twitter. <laughs> just like, you just sound like such an old fart. Are you not entertained? I'm not- always entertained, Elizabeth, always. <laughs> okay, so, you know, as an astrologer, you're like, something is happening in John McCain's horoscope. For this, to, for this to be all over the place. And, 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 in, and, and as this week has progressed, we've seen more. So yeah, I'm looking. always intrigued when people reach out from the dead and, Re- looking, exactly. and looking at his chart right now. Hello, Pluto knocking. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> the horoscope lives forever. You can Google that statement. The horoscope lives forever. And you will find an article that I wrote about how natal charts keep functioning, even if you're not all walking around with you know, presumed free will and consciousness, which is a whole nother topic for an episode that we should talk about. What the heck are we really seeing when we look at a horoscope? But here's John McCain's horoscope and you have astutely, immediately zeroed in on uh, John McCain's Pluto at 28 degrees of cancer, currently opposed by transiting Pluto, meaning mm-hmm. where it is now, at 28 degrees Capricorn. Pluto, uh, you know, breakdown, exposure of corruption uh, in John McCain's horoscope, it rules his ninth house, if we're talking modern astrology, which we are. Uh, So we're, and his natal Pluto is in his fifth house, which has to do with the love he has to give to the world, his creative self-expression, his ambassadors, his children. Megan McCain crashes and burns with her book. You know, it's a book, uh, you know. But well, we should ruling. explain what you mean by that. Basically, she wrote a book and no one bought it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like like so, 247 okay. people bought, bought her book. And, and then Steve Schmidt just lost his mind, as we've already said, and went after her. Anyway, so here's this pressure on John McCain's Pluto ruling the ninth. So publishing foreign affairs, his worldview of things. Um, the other thing that's amazing about this horoscope in terms of timing is the solar arcs, which is another way we have of measuring time. I rely heavily on solar arcs as a modern psychological astrologer. Other astrologers who speak different languages in the in this, or dialects of astrology wouldn't pay attention to it. But what's also fascinating is solar arc Neptune scandal fog wipeout wipeout is right on his midheaven, his reputation, his mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. and it was exact on May second. And you know we recorded, you know we were recording this like like within five days so like within days of this exact well it was it was happening when all of the crap was going down between his daughter and schmidt yeah yeah because that's more important than when we started talking about it it was actually lining up to when it it happened it was exactly exactly and you know other fascinating things um solar arc midheaven his reputation equals his natal five degree pisces ascendant although astrodata com astro data bank calculates it to six even my solar arc 
says it's 559, but whatever. Uh, that That's, I'm not gonna, but we have, this is a potential identity awareness is how I explain this rare transit to my clients. It's like, uh, it's like a Eureka. Oh, this is who I am. And so we're getting to see this is who John McCain is. Okay. Well, let, let me put this in plain English. Then. Okay, okay. So the fact that we're looking at some pretty major um, changes to his midheaven means that um, we're going to start having more information about who he truly was because this is very public. It's in the place in his chart, which makes whatever is uh, true about him very apparent and much mm -hmm. more public. Um, he has Neptune, looking at your, um, uh, the chart that you've cast, which uses Placidus. And I, and I don't really want us to go down the rabbit hole about talking about the differences and how we um, review charts. Cause I think what we're going to have to do is do an entire episode on that, but I do yeah. speak your language. So I'm speaking your Placidian right. language because my language is entirely different, mm. but looking at the way that you've cast this, um, and the symbology that you are using, it's really interesting to me that he has Neptune kind of conjunct. It's, it's a wide conjunction, but his son in the seventh house, which tells me that there are ways in relationship, it's better not to trust him. <laughs> the Neptune in the seventh, yes. And that there's an, and look at the configuration, Jupiter is in Sagittarius close to the midheaven right i mean this is a ruling way his ruling his midheaven and in classical astrology jupiter rules pisces and sagittarius right. pisces is his ascendant in modern yeah. astrology neptune rules pisces either way you've got an expansive yeah. fog yeah he can oh. he can he can cover up what he needs you to not know he has that capacity and i'm not saying that this is dooming him or anyone who has this sort of configuration because you know, plenty of people listening to us who might know something about their chart might be thinking, wait a minute, are they saying that I'm a liar? No, not really. But what you we're could saying, be. But, we, <laughs> but you might be. But you could be. <laughs> no, it's important that we emphasize that. You could be. Could it be. is a choice. There is an inclination, though. There is a, a, predis a predisposition to combine these archetypal energies of expansion, big, and also, you know, Jupiter at the top of the chart in Sagittarius, Placidus, whole sign, doesn't matter. That tells me that um, this is a person who would rather not focus on the details for good or for ill. And that's mm -hmm. actually a neutral statement. There's no judgment there. But this is someone who's interested in the big picture and, you know, being very optimistic and being very, hey, you know, like grand and let's just go for it and big and all this other stuff. But um, and that's so fantastic. And I actually have some clients that there's a very similar configuration in their chart. And that's one of the things that, um, that they lean on in a very beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So there is that, that tendency um, that is just there. And then how you use it is really how you start to qualify the way that it impacts yourself and others. But the fact is, it's just, it's a bigness and there it is. And everyone sees it now in relationship to his Neptune and his son, what that's telling me in the square configuration is, is that um, he can, when he needs to put on a big fog, <laughs> he can cover up mm -hmm. and make it glistening because mm -hmm. the sun is there and the sun shining through the fog and the mist. That's so pretty. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. But when it's right there on top of the descendant, which on, on your chart, it is. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yep. 
then, you know, you're not really sure you're going to see what you're supposed to see in relationship and mm-hmm. in relationship with somebody, because this is the seventh house. This is mm-hmm. where you enter into relationship with someone. Okay. So that's a lot of blah, blah, blah. But why this is really interesting to me goes back to um, this whole thing with, okay, a couple points. One, Steve Schmidt coming out now and saying all of these things about McCain that he knew all along. Mm-hmm. And Steve Schmidt is one of the founders of this thing called the Lincoln Project, which has as its chief aim taking down Trump et talia. All the mm-hmm. people who they say have hijacked the Republican Party and turned it into this fascist, just a fascist crazy group of people. When in right. fact, when in fact, it seems like what Steve Schmidt is actually admitting is, is that this has been going on before Trump got elected and that his own boss, John McCain, might have actually known that these things were happening behind the scenes. So that's why it's important that we look at this now through the context of suddenly the chart is lighting up around the midheaven. So we're starting to see the truth of a man who may be dead, doesn't matter. He's reaching back from the dead saying hello through the, you know, the mitt of Pluto. Mm-hmm. And, and then what we start to see is, oh, you know what? There were ways he was using that configuration, possibly, between Jupiter and the sun and Neptune in the seventh house. And, mm, and you know, the other thing is <laughs> um, I've never really f- fully understand that relationship to, that he had, that McCain had to Lindsey Graham, particularly then, you know, it's like days after McCain was dead, suddenly Lindsey Graham was really clearly a lap poodle to Trump and all of the Russians. And I'm thinking, wow, that is just crazy. McCain and some people in the media would say things like this. They'd say McCain must have been spinning in his grave to see the way that Lindsey Graham is is sucking up to Trump now and being his golf buddy and all these other things. And I have always wondered, really? But now, well, what Steve I'm- Schmidt is telling us is that it's quite possible that McCain, who has this capacity to fog the truth, knew the things that Lindsey Graham was doing. And wouldn't I like to know more about what was actually going on that John McCain did know? We would love to know that. And we, and the other thing that's interesting about John McCain's horoscope that's hot now is that John McCain has a square in his horoscope between Mars and Uranus. Mars is the energy of action and willpower. His Mars is in Leo, which needs to take action in, in ways that are going to be dramatic. So when he vetoed the 8 millionth attempt of the Republican fascist party's effort to repeal the Affordable Care Act, you will recall how dramatically he went down on the stage yeah. with, the, with the thumbs down. I mean, that was, that, was, that was a Mars and Leo drama thing. He needed to do this, to be dramatic. And the square to Uranus suggests um, a volatility. You know, he was known for having a temper and this, mm. this would be this would be a temper. Mm-hmm. A I'm going to tell you funny, I'm, I'm going to tell you a funny story about that actually. Okay, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, a temper and uh, and that he's in the maverick. I mean, this is a maverick statement. Uranus with Mars. This guy's going to do his own thing. Uh, the moon, his Aquarius moon, is also involved with that square to Uranus, and so that's another mavericky thing. And and he's going to have a lot of anger, probably spuming around with this with this volatile pattern. And but look at his. Uranus at nine degrees of Taurus and understand that this Uranus was just eclipsed on April 30th. So we should keep an eye on July 20th. Around July 20th, we should keep an eye on that 
because that's when the eclipse we had on April 30th will be triggered by transiting Mars. Mm. And so we may see that week some more stuff coming out um, with respect to the stuff that was percolating at this, that this sort of hiding in plain sight you know, Megan McCain publishes a book and then all of a sudden there's this mm. groundswell with Steve Schmidt and maybe that's going to blow up. Maybe that's going to blow up in around July 20th. We'll see. Well, yeah. I would, I think, I think we will see something. Yeah. I mean, if the, all this activity on his midheaven, let's see what happens around July 20th come the time for his midheaven. I must consult my ephemeris somewhere. I must consult it. Where is it? Okay. So while you are doing that, uh, I'm going to tell you that story. I think I was the last reporter to interview him before he left because um, it was May, actually. It was May 15th, 2017. So it was right around now, May 15th, 2017. Um, <laughs> I interviewed him. I'm laughing. I'll tell you why in a second. I, I interviewed him. Um, he told me I could get in the subway car with him. There's a subway that is underneath the Capitol building. Um, makes it easier to get from one end to the other because it's a huge complex. Right. And um you could stake him out and, and um, the another reporter there who I just adore, he's such a great human being. He showed me, he's like, if you want to talk to McCain, and I, I did have a reason I needed to talk to him, but I needed to talk to him about something that had nothing to do with healthcare, um, which I normally cover. I was, I actually needed to talk to him because I needed something to, um, I was working on for the state department <laughs> and the news had just broken um, that, what's his face? Trump was handing out state secrets like dinner mints in the Oval Office. <laughs> so everybody was staking um, McCain out. He came around the corner. And I think the reason why he picked me to be the reporter who went with him in the in the subway cars, I just was a fresh face. But he came around the corner and he saw all of the reporters there in the scrum. And he said, what do you fuckers want? <laughs> Well, the thing, you know, Whitney, I think what you were saying, that observation about what Steve Schmidt was saying about the media is, they, is that they are, can be as idealistic as the next person and how reluctant they were to tear down a perceived hero in their coverage. Just not willing to call, call it like it is. He was a crabby old bastard. We've got a siren going by here and... This Uranus in his horoscope that's just been eclipsed rules the 12th house in modern astrology. In, and so that suggests hidden enemies, the self undoing. So there's a potential revelation that might come out around July 20th. So there's probably more to come. Yeah, we'll start to get kind of like what motivated the man? Well, no. Why? What, in his well, own well, words. Well, or... in his own words. Well, well, a challenging relationship with the father would be one place to start. But that's what a modern psychological astrologer would say. Well, I'm just talking about why didn't he, why was he on the Russian oligarchs? Yeah, why did he um, go with Sarah Palin, even if he did or didn't? Like, wh like we'll, we'll start to, I think what we're going to get insight into is the stuff that Steve Schmidt and Megan McC uh, McCain have already brought out on the table. Then we're going to, you know, as Pluto passes back over, then we'll go, well, what are they talking about? Oh, okay, now it'll make more sense. So whether or not he had a crappy relationship with his dad, maybe, I don't think we're going to care. And what we're looking at, I mean, we're looking at solar arc Mars is going to oppose his Uranus in two years. So this is just going to continue. So that, in other words, we're going to learn some more disruptive things about his values and 
stuff like that. Astrology is amazing. We have another eclipse coming up on Monday, the 16th. It is, if I, if I stop us, if we haven't told you, it's a super moon. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be really big in the sky and it is going to activate that we, we, yeah, we did tell you it's going to activate the fixed star algal. So people whose horoscopes have planets around 26, 27 Taurus, Scorpio, they are, and that includes, um, that, Me. that's, it includes you. It includes uh, President Biden with his with his son and Venus conjunction at 27, 28 Scorpio. Uh, you know, so he's sort of affected, but you know, it's it's not it, the the sun is going to be no. Excuse me, the moon is going to be yeah, the moon, the moon, yeah, the moon is yeah, the moon, the, the eclipse moon is going to be on his sun and Venus. And yeah, because he's 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 a Scorpio. He's, he's I think Scorpio, his birthday is like, November twentieth. No, uh huh, and. Off the Which top would of my put head, it, his know, son at know. the late 20 there, degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got an eclipse coming up. The other thing that's happening this weekend, so we'll just put this on the record, is that the sun is going to square Saturn on yeah. Sunday, I believe, the day before the eclipse. And sun, Saturn squares happen twice a year. When the sun and when their sun is in hard aspect to Saturn, we can see a streamlining. And sometimes we see that among our leaders of state and business. And so we have some potential cuts and losses and uh, ambitious reaches that we will be probably seeing in the news over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. All right, Elizabeth, that was a lot of information. That was a lot of stuff. But thank you for letting me gripe at the beginning. It was great. Astrologers need to have people to talk to because we spend so much of our time you know, we hold space for, for our, for our clients and it's very sacred trust. And we need to have people to talk to occasionally about whatever is going on with us. That's true. But I'm, I mean, I was griping about. <laughs> oh, the world. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. I have been, I have Jupiter at 28 degrees of Pisces. <laughs> You're like a jukebox over there. Just spinning out tunes. The end <laughs> of the world as we know it. I've cut out a lot. Up. Oh my God. It's, it's, well, you know, you said something really interesting uh, a while back. You said that, you know, maybe all of this stuff won't be solved in our lifetime and Mm-mm. that's okay because no, we're, we're, we're just playing a part in where we are at this moment in time. The more that, I mean, I had a hard day today because of being at 29 degrees Pisces and feeling that end of the world feeling like, when is this hierarchical bullshit going to end? But that's not how I mostly feel. Mostly I just feel like, boy, aren't I lucky I figured out that I am the media. I am a resource for whatever is bigger than me to move through so that good things can happen because I am getting out of the way. It's not about me and it's not about the story that I want to be true. And that actually, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than to say it, it gives me peace because I don't have to have the story right. I just have to be kind. And if I'm kind, then other people's stories can also inform my own because I'm not so hell bent on making sure that they know that my story is better than their story. Yeah. And in that way, that's the true medium, right? Because things then move through me and other things can happen as a result. And that just gives me, that gives me a sense of peace. But today, Mm -hmm. no peace. Today, (laughs) no. I was really ready to rake a few eyeballs out. I was pretty mad about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> all fired up. That I was all, all fired up. Yep. Fired up. But what you all said right. about kindness, I mean, that's a wonderful note that what you said about kindness, always, always be kind if you can. It, it is, if you can, sometimes it's hard, but if you can, it's a good strategy. Well, sometimes, you know what, sometimes love says yes, and sometimes love says no. And sometimes the most merciful thing you can do is to draw a hard line. And if somebody's not going to get that hard line, unless you show your fangs, then show your fangs. Those are nice fangs. Thank you. Thank you for showing me. your. <laughs> I'm just not scared, though. <laughs> Nobody can see us. We're not on video. Yet. Okay. But what we have one, we have one thing left to do. Oh, and that is we have to tell people. Where to find Where us? Where to find us? Oh my and God! Say yes. Thank you to thank those you of for you listening. Oh, we do yeah. appreciate your comments so and, much. And the and the readership continues to grow. Yay! But I'm still not at the point yet where I can hire an, a producer to replace me. But we will get there one day. We will get there uh, one day. Okay. So thank you. You can find us at ensold.substack.com, and we're still working on getting consistently on to Spotify. I haven't figured that out yet why that doesn't happen. And we're on iTunes. And we really appreciate all of the behind the scenes notes and cards and letters and all those things. And we don't really get cards and letters, but we do get a lot of feedback from people and we, we really do. appreciate it. And um, we all we you know what we wish you all the best. And we are so pleased that we're striking a chord with people and that you are telling us to keep it up and you're enjoying it. And, and we just we're doing this for you guys because yeah. somebody somebody needed to do it. And we're just so thrilled that we're the ones that you've allowed to do it for you. So that's it for this episode, episode seven. Seven. Yeah. The chariot. Seven. The chariot that's, in tarot. Seven. Four, four, 14 weeks. Yeah, the chariot. Cool. We're moving okay. on. All righty. So everybody so, keep your head. Yeah, because the next time we come to, um, to you with an episode, we will have already gone through the... Um, the eclipse on the algal. fixed star algal and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So yeah, until then, yeah. look up. Look because up. there's a lot of inspiration up there mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with the top of the head of the capitalistic system. <laughs> exactly. Alrighty. Thank Wait. you, Whitney, for hosting. Not from, your, not from your coat closet this time. <laughs> okay. No, not at all. I actually sat down oh, and, no. and just didn't even, didn't even have to tell the dog to shut the hell up once. <laughs> We're making progress. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>